Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch. Chop. Retrofit. because we know him you know it's like so much cheaper so but this is not a r&r podcast welcome to cinema chop shop i didn't know i was on the banter i didn't know we were (laughs) i sneezed in the microphone (laughs) this is a movie and pop culture adjacent podcast today's episode is going to be a lot of fun it's our first foray into the pop culture adjacency we're going to talk about cinematic music videos yeah i'm looking forward to this one and I want to start off by welcoming to the show our special guest, Joey Poole. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And as always, riding shotgun, the regulator, Chelsea. Hi. Hi. And I, of course, am your host, Brie Brashaw. Um, Music videos. What? I'm just salty at you. You didn't tell us we were starting. Well, sometimes they're like you know more honest when you don't announce it. Cinema Verite, podcast Verite, banter. <laughs> yes, you get it. Um, all right, music videos. Um, would anyone care to wager a guess? I think you already cheated, yeah? I didn't or, cheat. You just came across it. I came no, across it. I read it. I knew this. Okay. I told The first you. music video was is, as, as agreed upon by a lot of people. What was the first music video, quote unquote? Now I'm nervous. I don't want to say. I'm thinking... Something to do with a hard day's night, maybe? Further back than that. Further back, okay. The first uh, agreed-upon music video is from 1877. Yeah. Whoa! It is okay. uh, to the tune of Lost Little Child by Joseph Stern and Edward Mark. That's a banger right there. It was <laughs> it was a moving slideshow uh, set to their song their song recording. So, Unfortunately, there weren't a lot of places or people who had the ability to play the video. You or, don't say. Yeah, right. However, the sheet music for the, the song did sell 2 million copies, so. Woo! Wow. That's a banger. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Bennett claims to have created the first modern music video. Uh, he was filmed walking alongside the Serpentine in Hyde Park in London. Set to the uh, song Stranger in Paradise, it aired on shows including American Bandstand. Now, that's from his autobiography, so I don't know how much his that's him trying to grab it for himself or not. But uh, in 1974, the Australian TV show Countdown premiered, and it's kind of credited as the first uh, that showed promotional clips for Uh the songs that they were using as their countdown on television. And that's kind of like the birth of the uh, music video. uh, This was the 60s, you said? 1974. And then in 75, the band Queen premiered a promotional video for Bohemian Rhapsody, it was on top of the pops in the UK. So that got a huge audience and it is credited as being the first global hit in which the promotional video was central in marketing the hit song. So the, uh, the rock opera, Tommy, etc., um, yeah. is predates music videos, I guess. Kind of, yeah. I mean, that would late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. I guess that would be kind of like your long form video. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we're trying to like, funnel it down into a single song set to a video I guess to your point though yeah I, mean, Ooh, I sort of cheated on my list then later you didn't no, that's, that's fine, fine. there are no, no rules. rules we're Jinx. rebels in 1981 videos found their permanent home on MTV 
24-7 with the airing of Video Killed the Radio Star, the first video in their rotation. And they continue playing music videos until God when? It ended like... Early 2000s? No, earlier than that. They started getting into like all those TV shows, but it still was like a 50-50 kind of balance kind of thing. Yeah. They don't show videos at all now, I don't no, think. No, you have to watch like MTV2 or like MTV, MTV Classic Cop or, or Dorm. Or YouTube. Or... <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's... And, and that's kind of what uh, where it kind of is today. You've got uh, YouTube, you have uh, Vimeo, and then uh, some might argue that TikTok has kind of taken over as a no. music video format. No. You don't think so? Absolutely not. The amateur I produced... I refuse. <laughs> the democratization of I the music video. Right. Those dances are so stupid if I have to see any more. But we've seen those dances bleed into the artist's actual official videos I after the fact. So that... I understand that. And Doja's was not stupid. Hers was not. All the rest of them are so dumb. So I want to know from each of you, what was your personal relationship with music videos? How did you consume them as a child? When did they become significant to you? Give me your story. Well, I, I've talked on this podcast before about how my knowledge of 80s blockbuster movies is somewhat scant uh, because we didn't really go to the movies and my parents didn't get cable until after I moved out. Uh, so my relationship with, uh, with videos was um, almost like, I mean, it wasn't exactly footloose at my house, but, you know, it was, you know, rock and roll was sort of frowned upon to the point where as I sit here in my Black Sabbath t-shirt, um, when I tried to slide a Black Sabbath tape under my mom's nose at Kmart when I was maybe 12, <laughs> she was perplexed that I suddenly had taken a shine to African-American gospel music. <laughs> and so we walked around the store for a few a few minutes, and I thought, oh, my God, she's really going to let me get this. And she picked it up and sort of looked at the back and you know did that whole, oh, we sold our souls for rock and roll. like you know, <laughs> and, uh, and so that dissipated right there. Um, but my relationship with music videos is I don't really have the same nostalgia for them. Like I'm talking about the golden age of music videos in the eighties, uh, as a lot of people our age do. So I think that I probably see them in a different way. Some of them I like more. Some of them I like less maybe because of that, I guess. Chelsea. Um, certainly MTV, but I guess when I really started to pay attention or where it mattered was like TRL. So this is like mid to late nineties. Um, you come home from school after every day and you'd have to see who was on that countdown. You'd freaking call that line. Make sure InSync was number one <laughs> all the time. When I was a kid, we, our, our little town, we didn't get MTV until like 1987. So videos for us, I remember HBO used to show them in between movies sometimes. Um, every once in a while, uh, NBC would have Friday night videos. I think is what it was. I seem to remember that yeah, too. You could, so you could have access through your NBC affiliate unless they were censored. Um, and then through basic cable, I think USA network had radio 1990 and night flight. And so they showed a lot of music videos there. So that's kind of how I consumed them as a kid. I don't know. They were, they were kind of impactful to me. I mean, it gave me a visual connection to the song and being a visual person. It, it's those, some of those, iconic scenes and videos are kind of branded into my head. You know, when I hear the song, it, it evokes certain things. I mean, I hear that as much as I don't care for the song, you know, from police, 
uh, with the with the candles, you know, with Sting knocking yeah. down all those candles. I mean, that was a pretty significant thing. Uh, Eurythmics, uh, the, the the striking uh, haircut by Annie Lennox for the time was so mm-hmm. jarring, you know. Culture Club. Uh, she looks just like the robot soul singer that she is. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Culture Club, Boy George. I mean, that was a, a, a look. You know, Cindy Lauper's crazy hair. You know, those are some, some things where uh, video definitely uh, kind of carried that music uh, imagery on and on and on and on. You know, so that for me, uh, videos were a big deal. Mm-hmm. So. I, just as a little uh, trivia kind of thing, and this isn't really Q and A trivia, but some, some there's some significant music uh, videos that were directed by big name film directors, and so if any of these names sound familiar to you, <laughs> let me know. Uh, Michael Jackson's "Bad" was directed by Martin Scorsese. Really, really. Well, uh, Landis did. Thriller, right? That John motherfucker. Which we'll yeah. talk. To, we'll talk about that in just a second. That will lead us lead off our, our discussion of significant videos. Um, David Lynch has done several music videos. Probably the most well known of his would be "Wicked Game" by Chris Isaac, or Vogue. Then you've got you know "Fell in Love with a Girl" by Michelle Gondry by uh, uh, the White Stripes. Uh, Tim Burton directed a music video by the Killers. I don't know if you've ever seen "Here with Me." It stars Winona Ryder, and if, you, if it's like. If Lars and the Real Girl were directed by Tim Burton. Hmm. Okay. It's about this really creepy guy who goes and sees this, I don't know if it's like a live show or a burlesque show or some sort of stage show. And Winona Ryder's the star and she's signing autographs after the show and he's just standing there just staring. Everybody else is taking self like selfies and cell phone pictures. She doesn't pay him any attention and after the crowd clears out, there's like this wax figure of her and the guy steals it and she becomes real to him. Oh wow. And it's kind of kind of creepy and perfectly Tim Burton. Uh, but the one I wanted to talk about the most though is a director that that people know um, for film who really cut his teeth in music videos. And it's David Fincher. David Fincher directed a lot of music videos going back to nineteen eighty five with uh, Rick Springfield. I mean, so his his early career is just littered with big name uh, music videos, including uh, the works of Paula Abdul, um, "Say You Will" by Foreigner. Chelsea, you're gonna love this one. He directed "She's Like the Wind" by Patrick Swayze. Oh fuck yeah! Um, he directed uh, the Johnny Hates Jazz um, uh, "Shattered Dreams" video. He did uh, the Madonna Vogue video, um, Express Yourself. The list goes on and on. Oh, that's uh, an impressive career just, uh, just just as a music video director. Well, MTV's most broadcast music video, Rock the Cradle of Love by Billy Idol. Uh, he directed that one. He directed Janie's Got a Gun by Aerosmith. He directed uh, Freedom 90 by George Michael. A great music video. So I just wanted to bring him up specifically just because it's a big name director who is extremely successful, very well liked, very well respected, who obviously put in his time in the short video format. There you go. That's your one that I just recently discovered. Um, remember that music video I showed you with the girls on the roller skate? It looks like one continuous shot. Yeah. Okay. You know the movie Guava Island? That was like a, it was at Amazon or Netflix, but it had uh, Donald Glover. Yeah. And- yeah. Same director. Okay. Okay, cool. So, yeah, that's the kind of thing that, you know, as as a kid, as a teen, I didn't pay attention to. And I don't really think that 
the the big name directors that were attached to certain music videos were really discussed a lot either. I mean, no. something more. Is for, it even part well, of the uh, the classical like informational thing in the bottom it is. corner directed by here? So because I'm younger, um, in the '90s, MTV had a dumb show, but it was called it was called like making the video. So they go behind the scenes with some of these big name directors mm. um, and say how they made it. But then the other one is they would like take um, unknown people and put them in, like recreate the music video. And they talk a lot about that kind of stuff too. But yeah, it's in there. It's funny that like my brain just totally glossed over that and didn't even remember it as part of the. Yeah. Uh, it's like I said, it wasn't really something that they remarked on like the music VJs as they called them, you know, I don't think they really talked a lot about the directors unless it was something significant like... In my era. Unless it was something significant like Thriller, which kind of leads us to our first biggie. Um, Joey, you, you brought it up. Tell me tell me your thoughts on Thriller. Uh, I think that it's uh, probably the OG cinematic music video. First, certainly not the first, but like as terms of just, you know, big mainstream... It's, you know, it's the 80s blockbuster of music videos, and it's about movies. The song is about movies, so. Directed by John Landis. Yeah. That motherfucker. Who should be rotting in prison. Yeah, he really fucking should. <laughs> the special effects make up the werewolf transpira- transformation that was done by uh, Rick Baker, the genius, legendary special effects makeup artist who did uh, American Werewolf in London mm-hmm. with... John Landis. That motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I had a friend uh, who she, uh, shout out to Colleen. Um, She was so traumatized by the Thriller video when she was a kid that even as an adult, she would leave, like run screaming from the room when it came on. Oh my God. Like VH1 or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was telling you guys off mic when I was a kid. I mean, this was like third grade for me when Thriller came out and uh, we were in music class and we had a kid in our class whose mother would rent videos for us to watch in class. And so she had gotten uh, a copy of the making of Thriller. So we watched that as our music class for the day, which didn't have a whole lot to do with music. But um, so, yeah, that was a neat big music video that had a lot of production value and even to this day, it still kind of stands out as one of those um, mm. cornerstones in terms of cinematic music videos. But I'm wanting to hear from each of you in terms of what you think are some of your favorites and uh, why you consider them a cinematic music video, what's significant about them. Joey, you're the guest. You get to go first. Well, I chose uh, five of them that I just I, I end up watching a lot and that uh, I like a lot. So this is not in any way, shape, or form supposed to be some sort of best of list. Um, this is purely subjective. Um, I guess I'll go with my first one, and these are in no particular order. Um, but the first of my five is by Alabama Shakes, uh, and it's uh, the video for a song called Sound and Color, um, which is... A song, it's very imagistic, but it's sort of about being amazed by the sights and sounds of the world and yet being very lonely. And there's a refrain that just goes, I want to touch a human being. Um, So uh, the video takes place aboard a space station or a spaceship, which is orbiting what appears to be Earth. And a man comes out of cryogenic um, storage, basically, and stumbles around the ship. He starts getting kind of bombarded by images of what we assume is his uh, 
his past, a wife and a child and whatnot. And we don't know exactly what, but something has gone horribly wrong. Like he was either asleep for centuries too long, longer than he was supposed to be, or, you know, there's no one there that he can contact for whatever reason. Uh, so he's kind of all alone, um, you know, sitting in a tin can, as David Bowie might say. <laughs> and I find it uh, very poignant and it's a good accompaniment to a song, to the song. And I think like a lot of good cinematic music videos, it doesn't try to make the story of the song necessarily. It's just sort of a emotional imprint of like a accompaniment to okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think I have some that kind of occupy that space as well. It kind of follows its own path and the music is kind of incidental. Chelsea, what about you? Well, this one is sort of a little bit narrative driven, but it's David Bowie, so it's also kind of weird. But I picked. Oh, I think um, I know what you're gonna say. Lazarus. Yeah. That's that one's rough. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, you have. Um. Okay, I have. It's. I know I showed it to you because when I saw it, I was freaked out because it was right before he died, and it's on this album that he made. Nobody knew he was sick, but he kind of acknowledges like. Yo, peeps, I'm going to die. And the music video is like him watching his own death. And it's it's stunning, but it's it's haunting. And that one just gut punched me. Okay. I think now that you mentioned it, I might have seen it. I know you have. I know I showed it to you. Okay. Okay. Because I showed it to everybody. All right. Well, as Joey said, in no particular order, um, one of the music videos... <laughs> that always stood out to me as being truly cinematic in that it plays out just like a 1980s action Hollywood stunt scene is Stay the Night by Chicago. And it's not Chicago's greatest song. They had a lot of... <laughs> and it's not a great music S- video. Sing a, ref- sing a bar or two of it. Stay the night. Okay, okay, I wanna okay. I'm with you. Okay, yeah. Don't edit that out. Okay. And... Um, it's it starts out with uh, this this chick in a uh, like a convertible I think I'm gonna say like a Cadillac convertible and she's and and Peter Cetera is trying to reason with her and she's backing out and she's gonna leave and and so he grabs onto the side of the car <laughs> and she's like dragging him along in Los Angeles and he's like singing to her as he's hanging on for dear life <laughs> under this car like a say anything moment sort of yeah <laughs> and, I, and I do believe that there I think there are explosions there might be like a car jumping over a ramp that it might even be in the, the, the Los Angeles River you know that mm-hmm. that cliche so I, I bring that one up uh, because it will lead into my next great cinematic music video I don't recall seeing this but I, I will I am going to watch it tonight. It is I'm, I'm cheesy to as hell. It my... is cheesy as all hell, but it looks like it could very well have been in, like embedded into an episode of The Fall Guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, Joey, give us another one. Um, so I, th- this was an accident. So I, my, the song that I just chose was called Sound and Color. And um, I didn't plan this, but there's one called Sound and Fury, also on my list. And this is an album by Sturgill Simpson, uh, who's like a neo-traditionalist country guy, but then on his fourth album, I think, in maybe 2018 or 2019, uh, kind of threw a curveball. There's like a psychedelic, funky, blues sort of uh, hard rock album called Sound and Fury. Um, there's a, I think it was a Netflix original, an anime film basically, accompanying uh, the album. And again, it sort of tells the story of the album, but uh, it's about a post-apocalyptic 
samurai who's fighting against this Mad Max style overlord, and it's real trippy. I think I watched this. <laughs> it's good. It's a, it's a, you can watch the individual videos. If you want to watch just one, I would suggest the one for the song called Ronin. Uh, but the whole album, uh, there's a movie that accompanies the whole album, and I guess that that counts as a music video Heck for this yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> for this countdown. Chelsea. All right, this is kind of a weird one, but like, I want to see this made into a movie because I, I want, I just want to know. Um, it's Coffee and TV by Blur. I almost put this on my list. I fucking love that music video. I... with the little milk carton. Describe the video. I know this song, but I don't know if I've ever seen the it's, video. It is all the, shot ground level from the point of view of this little carton of milk. He's got eyes and arms. He's so cute. And it's his journey around town. It's through, amazing. How have I not seen this? You must it's, watch it's like it. Through happenstance that he finds his way to. Uh, uh, I think uh, he gets. He meets his mate. Yeah. His mate with it. Yeah, but it's kind of like the uh, a spin on the uh, the missing person on oh, the wow. milk yeah. carton. He becomes the missing, missing milk, milk carton. carton. Throughout the story, it's brilliant. Wow, Britpop still has little gems that I have not yet discovered. Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> um, I did not name the director of the uh, Chicago video because he was the director of my next one. His name is Bob Giraldi, and uh, he's done a lot of other music videos and some television. But the other video that he directed that I would like to mention is by Lionel Richie. Hello. <laughs> and I don't know if you're familiar with this video. But Lionel Richie is a college professor, and there is a blind girl who is a sculptor, and um, he's obsessed with her. She has his attention, and uh, at the end of the video, like she's sculpted what she thinks he looks like, even though she can't see him. Does it look like him? It looks him? just like him. Oh, wow. And... It's like creepy, like face touching. <laughs> and... I, I Chelsea's laughing because I've made fun of this video, even though I do love it, is because uh, at the end it's like when she reveals this, there's like this <laughs> Lionel Richie. <laughs> Lionel Richie does this take to the camera, like oh, <laughs> so fucking funny. Man, my parents really did me a disservice in the eighties. There, wow. Oh shit! Oh. It doesn't matter. I found this later. It's still, it's still fucking solid gold. It All of this just cultural you know, gold. It I, holds yeah. up. It holds up. Wow. It is a true uh, cinematic romance kind of uh, kind of thing. And while I'm on the topic of Lionel Richie, dancing on the ceiling should be mentioned, not just because it's a great video, but it is a callback to a cinematic sequence of. Where the, they take the room and they rotate it in a mm-hmm. barrel, and everyone looks they're like they're literally dancing on the ceiling. On the ceiling. Yeah. So, uh, Joey, what you got? Next? All right. Well, uh, this one actually kind of, I guess, would uh, make a good uh, double feature with the with the Lionel Richie video you just said. Uh, so let me let me set the the mood here. Uh, about once a month, um, when I'm in a drinking mood, usually. Um, I'll subject my family to. We're gonna do music night. We'll all sit around and you know. Everybody will make a choice, and usually we'll do this via YouTube, uh, which means I have to end up listening to like Slayer or Metallica every third song because my ten-year-old is certainly currently in a thrash metal uh, phase. It's okay, but I'll, I'll let it go. <laughs> <laughs> at uh, at a certain point in the night, when the kid goes to bed, if it looks like it's moving in a certain direction, if you catch my drift. Uh-huh. I will put on some Sade. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, and uh, there's a video of Sade's for "Is It a Crime." And it's sort of cinematic. I almost didn't include it on this because there's a performance element. The band is sitting around playing. She's singing. But there's a very definite narrative arc. And it involves this 
douchebag who looks like a just two-bit hood from a bad gangster movie uh, who Sade is waiting for and waiting for, and he's trying to make it across town in a taxi throughout the whole video. Long story short, she leaves just as he gets there and sees a message that she's left for him in the fog on the window. And I always end up thinking, it's a great video and a, a great song, but I always end up thinking... Sade, honey, you can do so much better than this douchebag. <laughs> so, uh, Sade's Is It a Crime is on my list. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not familiar with that one. To- Watch it and tell me if there's any way in real life that Sade would have looked twice at this motherfucker. Okay, okay. <laughs> I- and, and, and listener, I know you're out there. Uh, I'm going to make every attempt to create links to all the videos that we mentioned uh, to today's episode so you do have some context if, if you're interested uh, Chelsea what's up for you alright so this is a band I'm sure neither one of you have heard of although I showed this to you when we were talking about this episode originally um, it's a brother and sister duo it's called Angus and Julia or they are called Angus and Julia and the song is called Big Jet Plane and it's about this, like, the video starts with this girl who's working in what looks like a grocery store, like a CVS or something. And the song is just about getting out and moving on and just sort of her kind of daydreaming about things. But you never get to see the daydream. It's all within her face and in her eyes and just sort of the things she does. And it's it's so good. I love it. This I'll watch all these at some point in the near future, and that will be brand new to me. That's cool. I'm going to bring up another early 80s hit. It's by Glenn Fry, Smuggler's Blues. Um, this was directed by Duncan Gibbons, who also directed Careless Whisper by Wham. Um, it inspired an episode of Miami Vice in which Glenn Fry guest starred in the episode. Uh, it just as the song, and this that know, might be peak eighties. It is peak eighties. <laughs> I mean, the, unlike the uh, other videos we we're talking about, where the, uh, the the video is independent of the audio. This one is the video adaptation of the song. Uh, clearly, he's singing about a drug bust uh, that happens at the hands of a, you know, some drug trafficking and things go wrong, and uh, he's in prison now because of it. And and it's it's a fun, stupid video, and the music video does play just like a Miami Vice episode, and so it's almost like one of these proof of concept kind of deals where mm-hmm. he's like can I be on your show? And he's, he's <laughs> I present my evidence and they're like, yeah, you can be on the show. So I, I, I position that one as one of our cinematic music videos. I think we got a few more left in our lists, but uh, I think we can take a break. I think it's a good time to, to take a pause for the cause. I, for one, need to refill my beer. And I think Joey is ready to fire up the band and sing, <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some... Some jams? I don't know. Jam. jam. Some jam. <laughs> good one. I got there. America! Demand your MTV! Call your cable company and say, I want my MTV! Everybody good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, are we recording this time? We're recording this time, Oh, Chelsea. wow, he did it again, Chelsea. And we're back. Thank you for bearing with us during the intermission. Hopefully you listen to some uh, music videos at the break. And when we come back from intermission, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we like to check in a themed beer. And today's themed beer is uh, from New Anthem in Wilmington, North Carolina. It's called Strange Spot in the Sky. Not only is the... Uh, 
the can art very cinematic in a sci-fi kind of way. It looks like a big spaceship launching. But that strange spot in the sky reminded me of the uh, police song King of Pain. A little black spot on the sun today. It just makes There's me think a of little black spot on black the sun, sun today. Oh, black hole sun too, yeah. Joey, I think we kind of finished up uh, our first three picks, and it's back to you. It is back to me. Um, I have two here um, that I kind of wanted to mention, and there I, I I made I couldn't decide which direction I wanted to go with my with the one I was going to save for number one. So I'm going to cheat and do two. So the first one is a, a favorite of my kids, which I've, I've seen this video a, a thousand times. Uh, there's an Australian band called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Yes. Um, and he got really into them because they did like a throwback thrash metal album a few years ago um, called Into the Rat's Nest, I believe. Um, but the rest of their stuff is kind of decidedly softer and more psychedelic. Uh, and so the song If Not Now When has a very cinematic video. It's kind of an anime style animation and the story involves a girl who a a meteor crashes into her bedroom and she finds a little piece of the meteor which is I guess like a black hole or a singularity which fits into her palm and then she's able to like sort of suck matter and things into it so she kind of sucks up the essence of of everything around her and it gets kind of out of control um, so it's uh, it's cool. It's worth a watch. A lot of anime in your uh, in, I like in your library. Have you seen uh, Interstellar? I have not. The film with the uh, oh, Daft so Punk fun. music videos. Mm. All oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant the movie Interstellar. No, 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 no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interstellar. Yes, five, yes. five, five. Yeah. It's uh, it's all of those videos pieced together into some sort of linear narrative, and it's quite good. Uh, and crank up the music. Chelsea, what you got? I don't know if this counts, but it sticks out to me, and I just I want to see more and maybe more of him and more of his take on things. I guess Childish Gambino. This is America. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the the gunshot yeah. uh, scene in that one kind of sticks with me. Yeah, yeah. Definitely some beautiful. There's elements set pieces throughout that video and just his movement. So I guess you could say like cinematography and those types of things. The way they capture it is um, the, the, the breakdown videos that are on YouTube for that music video are, are incredible. Are, yeah, it's amazing. It's a very well done music video for sure. I thought you were going to say uh, summer. No, because that's <laughs> just uh, cartoons of like. Famous, famous people. Well, famous, famous his, black people. In his honestly, and it's yeah. great. It's fucking great. But no. All right. Um, my next one I'm going to go with is um, speaking of hands and things happening with hands. I went with Everlong by the Foo Fighters. I almost chose that. I yeah. freaking love that music video. It's so atmospheric. It's got a very David Lynch kind of feel mm-hmm. to it. It's a fever dream kind of thing. And kind of harkens back to Thriller some too with like sort of the horror movie yeah, kind of campy. Yeah, there's some horrible yeah. horror elements to it. You've got your 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 backwoods uh hillbillies and you've got the girl in peril and and then of course honorable mention I think learning to fly is, is another yeah. cinematic piece mm-hmm. for them. That's fun. Where you really get to see Dave Grohl's personality come out and and the world gets to see just how cool he is. 
So, uh, yeah, that's my pick. Joey? Well, I had an extra one. I had my five. And so my cheat one is, I, this is, I, I can't, I can barely watch this video. Um, there's a band called Purple Mountains and fe- features David Berman, who was in Silver Jews and a couple of other, like, you know, 90s white boy indie rock bands. And uh, he committed suicide maybe two years ago. Part of the reason that, I mean, not to blame it on her, but like part of the reason that his life was kind of crumbling was because his wife, who was also in his band, had left him. And there's a video for the song on his last album called Darkness and Cold. And it's like that life or art imitating life thing that you talked about. And in the video, um, he's the song is about watching this the love of his life prepare to go out on a date basically and uh his real life wife is in the video oh and wow. it just gets really creepy knowing that not long That's after dark. yeah like not long after this was shot Damn. what happened and i mean I, I can barely watch it but it's it's great and the song is this it's a great song too so yeah uh purple mountains darkness okay. and colds is my cheat pick nice chels Hang on, I gotta write this down. Okay. Or you could just wait for me to program all the links in our. You could just. I'm not waiting that long. <laughs> all right. I I too also have kind of a cheat. I've got a couple more, so yeah, sure. Um, because I don't think anybody likes her. I know you don't. Um, is Tori Amos, uh, music video for Spark, where starts with her in a car she's blindfolded she's got her mm. hand tied and it's her like escaping this situation and this guy like chasing her she's just like running through the woods like getting out of whatever who's ever kidnapped her and i'm just like what the fuck happened here <laughs> wow yeah it's not on my list but that makes me think of uh prodigy smack my bitch oh up. i thought about but that I thought one this too. one did better okay but well, I thought the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Smack My Bitch Up shows up in several lists if you look up yeah. cinematic videos because it's, you know, it's got the twist ending. But it is it is kind of a um, provocative piece because... <laughs> the twist know, is she's a chick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. You know, and I, I guess at the time that was kind of a shock ending. But uh, they the video is very effective in that it does get you riled up and get you angry, you know, about about the subject matter. I remember this came out when I was in college and they they made this big deal on MTV and we for whatever reason we just happened to be watching it and they were like we're probably only going to show this video one time. <laughs> and so we watched it and we were like, "Whoa, there's titties on MTV now." You know? <laughs> <laughs> um my the one I actually the, the one that I had down as my kind of honorable mention pick uh was Stan by Eminem. Yeah, I had that on my list. I toyed with it. I don't know that I've seen this video. You, you should watch are it. Are you familiar with the song? I mean, yeah, I know the song. So, so basically, he's Rupert Pupkin from The King of Comedy. He's an obsessive fan who is writing to his hero, and the and the hero is finally getting around to writing back, and things escalate mm. into this whirlwind. It's it's crazy, and it's it's very much um, like King of Comedy. Devin hmm. Devin Sawa, the guy from Final Destination, plays Stan in mm-hmm. the music video and does a fucking great job. Yeah, it's a it's a cool video, and it's one that because I steered clear a lot of a, of a lot of popular music at that time, it was relatively new to me. Like, oh, I only, you're such a fucking hipster. I yeah, know, right? I, I, I have the same experience. Like from like about 1997 to about 2010, if it you know if it was something 
more or less mainstream. I don't know it very well because I was so far up my own ass. And yeah, like, exactly. I, and know, and I'm I, still working on my indie rock I merit can, badge. I, I can admit that, uh, that that my quest for street cred <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus made Christ. me made me miss. You some missed good some stuff. great shit I, then. And I will admit that I've missed some really cool stuff because of that attitude. There is some good good new modern stuff out there. Um, Joey, any other honorable mentions that come to mind for you? Um, I'm gonna go, I have a dishonorable mention. Okay. Um, I think this is kind of the the emblematic. Uh, this is emblematic of like when the cinematic music video goes wrong, and it's just too over the top. And oh yes. Bloated, and it's that Guns N' Roses trilogy from the Use Your Illusions album. Yep. Which would have been one really goddamn good album, but as two albums, uh, there's a lot of filler. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the trilogy. I know it's uh, November Rain, obviously. Uh, estranged. Uh, and I think the third one is Don't Cry. Okay. I like uh, But they are just over-the-top cinematic videos, you know, Axel's most masturbatory, self-indulgent. But we, we do get that image of Slash, like, you know, ripping a solo on the hood of that classic Mustang, which is pretty fucking that's cool. That's pretty cool. But other than that, I would argue... I mean, Stephanie Seymour, that's okay. Yeah. That... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's indulgence g- gone just too far. Any others, Chelsea? Any? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually have like the last one. And I did, I only because I found this out when I was looking up this video, I, I did talk about it briefly at the beginning. Um, it's uh, Chet Faker Gold, the, the roller skating one. Okay. Um, it basically starts out with him like singing in a car and then it cuts to this like road and you can't see anything. And this girl just starts roller skating down this fucking highway. It's dark at night. Um, and then two other girls come and it's just this long continuous shot as the song goes on. And then you come back to the car and you're just sort of perplexed. And then the song ends. It's really fucking strange, (laughs) but it's the long shots really cool. And the artist's name is, uh, Chet Faker. Chet Faker. Faker. Fuck. I don't know how okay. you say it. It's F-A-K-E-R. I might Thank be saying you. it wrong. I'm asking you for the sake of me being able to find it. Okay. Um, I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, Kiss Me More by Doja Cat. You did mention it pre uh, when we were chatting well, before the podcast. Doja. You mentioned Doja. Uh, Kiss Me More, I think, is a great cinematic music video because it kind of harkens back to the Barbarella cheesy sci-fi. Oh, yeah. Wait, I have a question. Uh, as an almost fifty-year-old white man, mm-hmm. are Doja and Doja Cat two separate people? No, I just okay. say, I just say, I because I recently found out that like Doja is like weed slang or something, and so I like to just say that because it makes me feel cooler. <laughs> Only people who know her really well get to call her Doja. And, Only uh, her okay. besties. Chelsea yes, is right. one of them. But uh, if you've never seen the video, Joey, it's uh, this hot young asian guy who's like a astronaut so sexy and he's he's looking he's exploring uh and he comes across these uh plants and he's walking he's boating down this little river and the plants are making him small or or no they're i think they're just making him hallucinate hallucinate, because i think they're just actually large yeah because doja and her her co-singer is it sizza yeah they're 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 giant and ultimately he he passes out and he wakes up and he's inside of a jar and it's it's the two of them playing like xbox or playstation and they have this menagerie of men behind them oh wow jars but the colors and stuff it's very anime 
looking and, and it reminds me of, of of some very cheesy 60s sci-fi like, yeah very oh, it's, technicolor it's fun uh so i, I mentioned that one just because it Thank is a you. fun video and it is it it evokes those images of sci-fi so there you go um well that's uh that's our crash course on cinematic music videos i'm curious to if if any of the listeners have anything that we've left behind Anything on the cutting room floor? Yeah, fucking at me. Yeah, you could do 25 episodes of this. Oh, yeah. There's tons. And, I mean, to be fair, it's a little bit subjective because you're involving music. Um, Absolutely. As Joey Joey let off with a lot of country music or country fringe. Adjacent. Um, You know, there are some great country music videos that I could have mentioned, but I'm going more with that true MTV pop rock kind of thing just because it's more uh central to the music video genre I, but well i think there's that, plenty out there what you were so like we think of like the 80s as the the golden age of the music video and certainly they were more in the public consciousness then but like bands that are that are, are making music right now are making some amazing fucking videos but nobody ever sees them and except their core fans yeah. but yeah i mean that's what you know youtube well, is here I'm for us i guess if that's kind of what has heightened the art again because mm-hmm. now it's not so shoved down your throats and it's not expected of of artists anymore they have to put this this care into it that's they're going to do that's it that's a great point because Ultimately, a music video was nothing more than a vehicle to sell records, mm-hmm. and that's what it was used for. And MTV was kind of in cahoots with the record labels. That, oh, they capitalized they would, the shit off of it. And, and they would put the record, they would put the videos out for the records that needed to sell, and they would put them in these ridiculously heavy rotations where sometimes they're playing twice an hour. And now, like you said, this is stuff that you have to seek out for yourself which really speaks to the artistry of it, of an artist, a musician putting out a music video for the fans, for people who actually want to see their stuff. Um, I think it definitely lends more legitimacy to the uh, video as kind of a short film art form. So um, I applaud anybody who's out there making music videos today and and doing it just for the love. So good on you. Um, And that's going to close out the discussion. Like I said, uh, Bring it up to us on social media or on uh, uh, cinemachopshop at gmail.com. If we left anything out, let us know. We'll we'll give you credit in the future episodes. Uh, Joey, seen any movies lately that you want to talk uh, about? Well, one that kind of dovetails with this episode, I just watched a uh, um, music documentary uh, on Chet Baker called Let's Get Lost. Ooh, um, and it's a brilliant, great documentary and it dovetails with this not just because it's about music but also you just mentioned a band called Chet Faker it's just yeah it's just a guy yeah um and uh I you know it's a brilliant documentary but I wish I kind of wish I hadn't watched it okay because it's that uh, that whole thing that like when you know your your musical heroes or your your, any artistic heroes is probably sometimes better just not to know that they're giant assholes um, <laughs> so yeah brilliant doc but yeah i wish i hadn't watched it chelsea how about Noted. you um no all i have in my head is the breakfast club right now that's okay and that's a good thing to have in your head yeah uh joey you probably know what i'm gonna mention because i blew your mind on twitter <laughs> yeah you did. um i we watched the we watched the menu um, oh yeah, duh! What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> the, the menu is great. Uh, Travis Cito talked about it on our best twenty-two of twenty-two episode. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we were a little late to the game on uh, watching it, uh, but uh, 
really really entertaining movie i i thought it was fun i thought it was great and then i made a, a few astute observations i'm not the only one i'm and i can't take full credit for the inspiration i think you just did no 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 <laughs> red letter media did a did a, a great job recapping it as well drawing the parallels between this film and willy wonka and the chocolate factory so uh which would just seem like a a, a coincidence except for the fact that you mentioned there's a scene which seems like the mise-en scene it seems like it's a direct nod to yeah when what, she, what was that was well, the, when she goes into his office and yeah. he's at his typewriter and you have the ticking of the clock it is a flipped image of uh, charlie visiting gene what was the mm-hmm. about the gene wilder version of course uh in his office and he's leaning on the typewriter with his little you know hand on his chin kind of pose that you've seen in memes um so there are very clear nods to Willy Wonka. So I think that uh, it was it had to have been intentional, and there are some parallels between some of the characters. So anyway, that was uh, that was a fun movie I've watched. Uh, Joey, anything else? Um, I watched. Uh, you know, this is one of those things that really was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, paired with something that was a lot worse than I thought it was going to be. Um, I saw Prey finally, yeah, the Predator one, and um, I've if, if I piss off any Predator fanboys, then fuck y'all anyway. <laughs> um, me. It might be the best film in the Predator oh. pantheon. Good call, uh, Travis and I both mentioned it in our top twenty-two. Uh, it's a it's a fun movie and it was a fun, refreshing take on a very, as I called it, a very tired franchise. Yeah, and the other one that uh, this is a movie that had kind of accrued some sort of mystique over the years in in my mind. Um, I'd heard people that whose taste in movies influenced my own wax poetic about this movie. I just knew it was going to be brilliant. Uh, the Holy Mountain, Alessandro uh, Jodorowsky's 1972. Oh, yeah? Um, Didn't do it for you? No, no. I thought it was going to transcend that, you know, transgressive, imagistic film thing, and it just didn't. Okay. And I wish I hadn't watched it. Um, oh, that's two you wish you hadn't watched. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a bummer. Chelsea, anything else? No, I couldn't remember the menu. What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I will bring up The Fablemans. Uh, that was... Uh, oh, I want to see that. Uh, probably, in my meager opinion, it's the best Spielberg movie since Catch Me If You Can. Um, I thought it was quite well done. There were still sloppy directing flaws in the film, um, which I think Spielberg hands off so much of it to other people. And just... Uh, basic stuff like you wouldn't do a close-up of on i call him steven spielberg you wouldn't do a close-up on that character and see contact lenses hmm. in the era in which it was shot and so i'm like somebody should have said take your contacts out for this shot please but no it's too big and bloated and but anyway i don't want to bag on it because i thought it was a really good movie I, I this it. really speaks to the quality of sean's uh, at home theater uh <laughs> set up that you can see contact lenses in someone's well, eyes it's an yeah. extreme close-up you can't <laughs> okay. miss it uh but there's also some continuity errors that i thought were pretty sloppy but outside of that i thought it was uh albeit a bit um you know sappy and uh nostalgic uh but that's what it was you know that going into it it's a nostalgia film it's his uh kind of 
It's his. It's genre. his American graffiti. Yeah, it's, it's his memory of, of what it was like growing no, up and like, falling in love with film. Yeah, I just think, I think a lot of his movies just invoke nostalgia in you, whether you like it or not. Yeah, so I think that uh, it, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. I would recommend people watching it. Uh, so there oh, you have it. Also, I'm still thinking about Rocky and if I liked it or not. <laughs> Well, stay tuned, listeners. We're going to be doing a part two to boxing films eventually. Uh, we've got to really finish. Torn. We've got to finish out. Uh, I think Chelsea wants to see Rocky two and three, and then the harder they fall. No, you got to see Rocky four though. No, God. I'm, just, <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's a great movie, but I'm just doing all of the Rockies at this point. You okay. got to see Rocky four because it's the. <laughs> when you see what became of the Rocky franchise, mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's yeah, not so, a great movie. So yeah, looking ahead, we've got some fun episodes lined up. Um, keeping in vein with this uh, cinematic music videos, we're going to do cinematic video games uh, in a few weeks uh, with a special guest who we're waiting on him to be able to interact with the rest of the world. <laughs> He's in. I also think we should wait until more episodes of a certain show that has yeah. just dropped come out so we can talk about that. Yep, 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 yep. Um, other movie-related epi- movie episodes, I think we're going to do tree movies. Uh, we're going to do liar movies. Uh, so we've got some fun ones coming up that uh, we've discussed. So uh, pay attention and, you know, stay tuned and download and whatever the hell you want to do. Joey. Plug something for us. Uh, I don't have anything much to plug uh, at the moment, um, but stay tuned. Yeah? Okay. You got something in the works? I think so, yeah. Nice. Chelsea, you want to plug anything for us? I mean, I guess you just like shouldn't lie to people. You just shouldn't. John Hughes. Okay. What did John Hughes do to lie to people? Because Saturday school is not oh, like the Saturday fucking school. breakfast club. God. <laughs> okay, I got you. I got you. Um, speaking of John Hughes, uh, listening to the Record Store Day podcast, uh, shout out to that podcast. They had uh, the children of the Wax Tracks record store owners and the Wax Track record label. Uh, they were on uh, to talk about uh, the heyday of Wax Tracks records. And John Hughes wanted to use Wax Track Records uh, in Pretty in Pink, the record store scene, mm-hmm. and uh, which is kind of a tie-in to our uh, great episode about the uh, Vinyl Nation documentary. Oh, my bestie. Yeah. So uh, they wanted to use the, the actual record store, but they had something going on that day, and because of the length of the shoot, it actually would have cut into their profits to the point where it was counterproductive to do it. So John Hughes made essentially his own record store in the style of the legendary Wax Track Records of Chicago. For Pretty in Pink. Yeah. Hmm. So that was kind of neat. And the daughter was on to testify that, yes, all of the flyers and posters and pamphlets that were at the cash register were indeed from Wax Tracks Records. So they kind of carbon copied that for the movie. That's kind of neat. Well, then, if no one else had anything else to plug, uh, you know, we're just going to get out of here and go drink and... Huh? Warm up. It's cold. Is it cold in here? Yes. Okay. I'm freezing. I think I've had enough of the uh, high graph beer that I'm fine. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. All right. So uh, enjoy the rest of your weeks and enjoy the rest of your winters and all that crap. But uh, please do uh, pay attention to what we've got coming down the pipeline. Hopefully we'll do something that you like. And if we don't, let us know. We'll be glad to do something that you like. Maybe. And tell us on social media. We're 
Cinema Chop Shop on everything except for YouTube, where we are Cinema Chop Shop Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your mom. And most importantly, please remember to watch Watch Chop Chop Retrofit. Watch a music video. Or two.